Welcome to the mikvah.org podcast. The mikvah organization has been dedicated to the education and resources for Jewish family life since 1975-5735. You can support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. Thank you for your support and enjoy today's recording. Welcome to the Building a Family podcast series. In this series, we will be exploring the topic of building a family from many angles. For a comprehensive understanding, we ask that you listen to the series in its entirety. In this episode, we revisit a discussion featuring Mrs. Shifra Sharfstein. Shifra is the co-director of Chabad at Georgia Tech and Georgia State Universities and is an experienced educator. In addition, she is a mikvah.org certified Kala teacher and teaches Chabad high school girls, college students, and women of all ages and backgrounds. Today, she teaches us the second half of her two-part series on the Mimer Peru Uruvu, where she explains the secrets of the body-soul union and its power to draw down neshamais. Please note, the source used in this episode, the Mimer, can be found in the show notes below. Amazing. Thank you so much. Some really, really exciting stuff in the Mimer today. Um, and I had to really think hard about which parts um, to focus on because we have one class and a whole mimer ahead of us. Um, so I'm going to dive into some, some really inspirational, beautiful parts of this mimer. And we're actually going, going to address a whole bunch of different little topics that Samach Tzedek wants to talk about. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the accomplishment of an ashama when it comes here into this world. So, so last week, last time, we really stressed the question of, it really just doesn't make sense for an ashama to, to come all the way down here. There's so much tithing, so much more enjoyment in the higher world. Why is an ashama going to come all the way down here. What's really, what, what's it really accomplishing? We said, obviously, Hashem is a taiva, metiv, only wants to give good to us. And there's so much that we can accomplish here in this world that's impossible in the higher world. There's so much real connection. But let's today talk about what that real connection is, what the accomplishment of the neshama here actually is in this world. And through that, we're going to be able to understand um, why it's so important to bring down more neshamas in terms of the benefit for the neshamas themselves and in terms of the benefit for all of us in general, because in order to bring Mashiach, we need all those neshamas down here. So what's the connection between the two? Uh, We'll also answer uh, an interesting thing that the Tzemach Sadek throws in about why Zara Levatala is really not a cool thing. Um, and we're going to jump into the idea of what happens in the body and soul union between a man and a woman, a zahar and a keva. What is the power that happens there? What's the un- what are the unique energies <clears throat> that are present in that union? How do we see all of that, Lamila? And what is it accomplishing that it, it has the power to draw down an ashama here into this world? And we're going to talk about different levels of the union between a zahar and a keva and 
Um, we're going to end off with why this mitzvah is so special Friday night. Um, and really, regardless of whether Anishama is actually being drawn down or not drawn down, meaning regardless of whether a couple is conceiving or not conceiving at that time, what is the special power of this union? All right, so a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to dive into. Um, really, really exciting stuff. So if you have the mimer, you can open up to page two at the bottom of the page. And it starts Ubir Hadvarim. Okay, so you can open up the link or you can open up a mimer yourself. We're in Derech Mitzvah of the Tzamar Tzedek, the mimer Pru You can open up um, to the bottom of page two. And we're not going to do everything inside, but I'm going to share with you a whole bunch inside and attempt to give over the crux of the idea of most of it. Perish. So we're going to talk about this idea that our Chamim say that with the letters Yud and He, Hashem creates all the worlds. With the Yud, Hashem is creating the higher worlds, Elam Haba. And with the He, Hashem is creating the lower worlds, this world, Elam Haza. Perish, we're going to talk about a concept that's brought down in Hasidus everywhere and that we've heard so much. But the Tzemach Tzedek does a beautiful job really explaining these two ideas, the two types of light with which the Avishtar gives life to this world. And I have to say, I've, I've learned Mamale and Saibib in so many places, but the way that the Tzemach Tzedek flushes this out is so, so beautiful that it really, really hits home. So we'll give it to you in a nutshell. We're talking about first Mimale. In order to understand the power of the light of Saibib, we have to talk about the light of Hashem that's Mimale, that fills all the worlds. So we're on the bottom of page two right now of the Mimer. Um, what is this kind of light? So in order to, to understand how does Hashem give life to our worlds without the world just like exploding, like Hashem is this great, infinite, powerful light, and here we are, these finite worlds, and we're not just talking about our world, we're talking about all the worlds, the four worlds in general that we talk about, Atzilus, Bri, Atzira, and Asiya, and, and the lowest part of Asiya, which is our world, but there are many myriads of worlds included within this concept of there being worlds, and Hashem gives life to all of them. But to give life to these worlds, if Hashem would just come and like shine his light, the world would just explode. It, it's too much. It's too much powerful energy. So what does the Abishter do? The Abishter gives light to each world based on how much each world is capable of handling. And I think a, a mother can easily understand this idea because each child in the family 
can receive a certain amount of connection or if you're giving out cups of water at dinner time, right? Like each kid can get a certain amount of water in their cup without spilling it all over the place and totally making a disaster. So each world can receive a certain amount of chayas. Just like you have a body and there's a neshama inside of that body and the neshama gives life to every part of the body based on how much life it should receive. So the brain is getting like, whoa, amounts of life from the neshama. And the fingernails are getting like <laughs> barely any life, just enough in order to grow, right? You can cut your nails and you don't even feel that there's any life in them because it doesn't hurt unless you're a two-year-old and then you still have to scream that it hurts. <laughs> but but the, the neshama is giving a different amount of life to every part of our body. So that is the light of Mamale Kal Almin that fills each world differently based on how much it's able to handle. So that's the general idea of, of Mamale Kal Almin, of how Hashem fills this world. Now, the Tzamal Sadiq jumps into this debate where the Arizal teaches us the idea of symptom of how the Avishter is mitzantin and kind of condenses the Avishter's light in order to create a world. And there were those who took the Arizal literally and said, Hashem completely removed himself from this space in order to make a world. And the Alter Rebbe came and said, that's absolutely not the idea. Hashem is not removing himself from a place. What we're talking about is that the light of Mimale, the light of Hashem that fills the world and that can be felt in the world is not felt, is felt a lot, 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 lot less in our world, in our space, because then we're able to have a world where everybody feels totally independent of Hashem, that we can exist without needing to connect to Hashem. But the light of Saivev, that exists everywhere. So the, the Alter Abba's perspective on symptom is not Kipshutai, that it actually is Hashem removing himself in order to make a world, but that Hashem is creating a space where mimale is not felt, where the light of Hashem that fills the world is not felt, but there's a higher, greater power kind of light. And that's the kind of light that fills the world. And there were those who said, how could it be that Hashem could be in a bathroom? That was their real debate for saying that it can't be that Hashem is actually here, because how could Hashem be in such low, disgusting places? Baal Tarebbe says, Hashem is able to be in all places without actually being affected by those places. So Hashem can be everywhere. And that kind of light is the light of Saivev. And that's the higher type of light that we're talking about. The higher type of light is the light of Saivev. And that is a light that is felt, <clears throat> that that is giving life to all worlds without ever being impacted by the world itself. And the light of Saivev can be 
in all worlds, but higher than all of them. Like a, within a circle. If I have a circle and there are, you know, there's the top of the circle and the bottom of the circle and everything's within this circle. I don't say that one, that the top part of the circle is more inside of the circle than the bottom part of the circle. Everything that's inside of that circle is equally inside of that circle. So this light of Hashem that's giving life encompasses all worlds and is there, but not there at the same time. Is giving life to all the worlds, but is also not being impacted by those worlds at all. That's the light of Saibiv Kalam. And in this light, I remember when I was younger, I, I had the amazing privilege of learning the Maimur Basi Lagani with my father, Abit Sri Freeman, before my bas mitzvah. Because my bas mitzvah is Teshvat, Yudshvat, Basi Lagani. And we learned about this idea that when a person here in this world pauses, and works hard to stop their nefesh abamis and to have a little bit of escafia and to say, no, I'm not gonna do that, even though I really, really, really want to. We learned kadaskafia sitra achra When we push down, when we tame the other side, Imagine this big, fierce lion. We tame that lion inside of us, that animal inside of us for a moment. The light of Hashem shines in all the worlds. I remember we're trying to come up with like an idea for a bas mitzvah cake that would be able to represent how this light of Hashem is shining in all the worlds equally. The question is, how could one light of Hashem shine in all the worlds in the same way? So if you're talking about mamale, it's impossible because each world, like a different body part, has to receive a different amount of light. But if you're talking about a light that's not changed by the place that it is, think about a person you know who is so genuine and so real that no matter where they go, no matter what social scene they're in, they stay true to who they are. They stay true to their values. They stay true to their personality. They are who they are wherever they go. Very, very rare to find such a person because usually we, we're like Mamale. We adapt to the situation that we're in. Saivev is that real, real light that no matter the social setting, it's the exact same. It doesn't change. It's there but you can't really tap into it because it's so beyond, it's transcendent. It's above and it's with us at the same time. That's the kind of light that we create when we have a little bit of a scafia. If you could just imagine for a second when you're really, really in a bad mood and you just wanna yell at someone and let it all out and you pause and you hold back and you don't let it out, how this light of Hashem is shining in all worlds equally. That light of Hashem 
is so powerful. But in the higher worlds, where there's a lot of mamale light, where the world is just very filled with this light of Hashem and everybody can just feel, oh yeah, there's for sure a God. Saibev gets ignored because it's a much, much higher light, but harder to tap into. And why tap into that? When we have the light of Hashem, we have Gili, we have this revelation of Hashem right here in front of us. Why work hard to find that? But when you come all the way down to this low, low world, here we don't really see any gile. We don't see day-to-day -day miracles. We don't feel Hashem in our life at every moment. I mean, if you're the type of person that feels Hashem in your life at every moment, amazing, and we all wish we could be like that. But if you're like the rest of us who like, this is a physical table, I don't see Hashem in this table. This is my morning coffee, and no, I don't see that there's Abishter in this coffee. The world just feels like a physical world, we don't feel Hashem in every part of our life at every single moment at all. If a malach would step into our reality, they'd just be like walking through walls and through tables and like seeing the Alekos that's here in our reality. We don't see it at all. We just see stuff, physical stuff. So for us, this light of Hashem, is something that we really want to tap into. When we learn about it and when we find out about it, we want to be able to connect to this really great, powerful light because in our world, we're able to connect to that light without getting sidetracked because there is no other great light of Hashem that we're trying to connect to. There is no other great kind of connection we're trying to, to tap into. It's not about... The gila, it's not about the wow and the excitement and the pleasure. It's about real, real connection. Like we said last week, the Alter Abba said, I don't want all of your like, wow. I don't want your Gan Eden. I don't want your Alam Haba. I just want you. I just want you. What's you? Tapping in to the you begins with our Saive. Begins with I just want to connect to the light of Hashem that exists without being affected by all the worlds. Now I'm on page four, in the middle of the page, where it's bracketed off, and it says, This is the purpose in a human coming down to this low world, this world. To reveal this great transcendent, powerful surrounding light of Hashem. That by the way, is not a circle surrounding us. It's here, it's with us, it's present with us. It's just beyond us. We can't necessarily feel it. It's here with us, but it's above us at the same time because we can't even relate to it. This is the whole purpose of a person coming into this world to reveal this light. So that we can actually relate to it and connect to it. Now, if you're trying to understand what this light is and um, how it happens and what exactly it is, 
So the Tzemach Tzedek says, we're not really capable of understanding it. So if you were feeling a little lost, don't worry. You're, you're in a great space because even the Tzemach Tzedek saying, okay, we're not really going to understand what this is. Um, but you should know that in the future, in the time of Mashiach, this light will shine in a revealed way. What's going to happen in the time of Mashiach? You're going to be able to look around and see this wow, amazing light of Hashem and point and say, wow, that light is from the time I didn't yell at my kids. That light is from the time when I made Shabbos, even though I really, really, really wasn't in the mood of preparing for Shabbos. Wow, that beam of light that's shining over there, that that light, oh, I remember that time. That was a really hard day. And I pulled through and I did what I needed to do. We're literally going to be able to walk around in the time of Mashiach and see the Arsaived that we made shine. Today, when we have Eskafia and when we do mitzvahs in this world, sure we make the light of Arsaived shine in all the world and all the Malachim are singing. Light is shining. Look what those little pieces of meat down in the lower worlds are accomplishing. Meanwhile, we we just go about our day like, all right, whatever, that was hard. On to the next thing. We have no idea how much we're accomplishing by each mitzvah that we do. That's why we have to go to Sinus to find out the great power of everything we're actually doing. And when Mashiach comes, we're going to get to see all of it. Finally. And the Zayyaf Tafas the So this is what the, the Nevi'im, all, all the Nevi'im, the prophecies tell us that in the time of Mashiach, Hashem's not going to hide anymore. We're going to actually be able to see Hashem's going to be revealed to us and we're going to be able to see all the great power that we created by the great mitzvahs that we did. Um, a little bit down to where I underlined, the Zayis Hamayla E Efshar Lahagiyah. This great level is impossible to get to. Ki'im, al-yadeh, yuridas haneshama leguf gaf dafka. Except through bringing aneshama into a physical body. It is impossible, impossible to reach this great level of revealing Hashem's super powerful light in this world, unless an Hashemah comes down here into a physical body. Otherwise, not happening. So, wow, we're like, when we invite an Hashemah to come here into this world, we are giving it such a gift of being able to accomplish this incredible thing and tap into our Sayyidah, what a beautiful gift we are giving these neshamas, these beautiful little babies that we're bringing into this world that they can accomplish such a beautiful thing. So we gave the example of this circle that the, within the circle, the light that's shining in the circle, you can't say, well, where is it shining more? 
Is it shining more at the top or at the bottom? No, it's shining equally within the entire circle, whether you're at the top or at the bottom. That is this light of Hashem that's shining equally in all worlds. The next underline, the gam kihine naida, and also what's known, me inyan shvir sakalim shenaflu nitzutzim the tayu benaiga debris etzira siya v'kama shenafal lamata yeser who b'sharsha ma'ay nala. Why does this world look so low? Why is there? <clears throat> why in this world do we have such? Serious gashmias that you just really, really, really can't see Hashem in this low world. Because the things that are really, really, really high up, they fall the lowest. So someone's asking in the chat, are you able to re-explain why an ashama up there can't access Saiyan? So actually, here's a part of here's a part of that answer. Here in this world, the greatest of Elikus has fallen to the lowest of levels. And so, when we make a bracha and eat a physical food and then use that energy to do something good, to do something that Hashem wants us to do, that moment connects us to the Abishur in a way that's impossible to do in a higher world. Because we're doing it solely for Hashem. The mitzvahs that we do in this world are just because this is what Hashem wants me to do in this world. If something great happens in a higher world, it's because there's a great gilay of alikos. There's so much light that's shining there from Hashem that of course the malachim are just going to do what Hashem wants. Down here in this world, we don't see the benefit of our action. Mamala, forget about it. Like we, we don't have any gile walking around our world to be like, oh yeah, Hashem is in this tree. Hashem is in this grass. Hashem is in my beautiful child who's seriously annoying me right now. I don't see that at all. Saive, that light is what's accomplished because I'm tapping into the lowest of low and revealing its high source and lifting it up and because Hashem decided that when I struggle and I work hard in this world where it's not easy, Hashem is going to make this great light of Sebev shine in all the worlds equally. That's what Hashem decided. That's the real, real answer. Sebev exists in all worlds. But where does the Avishter really want to connect? In this low, low world where their struggle is real. At the same time, even though this world looks so low and everything covers up on the light of Hashem, um, I'm going to read from inside the Everything in this world, all the physical stuff, the food, and all the stuff that we need for our bodies, we just packed our kids up for camp, and the, and the body wash, and the scrubby, and the flashlight, and the itch cream, and all these things. Like, you don't see Elikos and all that stuff. They all cover up on the light of Hashem. Like, what do we need all this stuff for? So much stuff just to go to camp for a month, right? All of it covers up on the light of Hashem. Aval. Adam Yadbir, Nafshay Elikis. The Tavarim, 
But when we work hard with our Nefeshalikis and we use all that stuff for the for a good purpose, to lift it up to a higher source, that everything that we do should be for a greater purpose, meaning, okay, right now maybe the itch cream is not Elikos, but I will use it so that it will bring me closer to Hashem. Those things that fell into our world from the world of Tayu that shattered and all its sparks fell into our world, and we use them for their true purpose, and we reveal what they're really, really for, they start to shine. Oh, yes, that's what I'm here for. That's the real reason why I was created. So we're able to reveal with them their real, real purpose, why they fell into this world, in order that they should be used just for Hashem. And when we do that, then the light of Sadev Kalaman shines in all the worlds. And this is the idea of Yerida Sarech Aliyah. Remember that whole meditation I was telling you about that, that I love to think about when I'm in labor, drawing down a neshama to this world, telling that neshama, I know you really don't want to come here. But let me tell you, that only if you come into this world will you be able to reach the highest of heights. In the higher worlds, you're not tapping into our saiveh. You're just enjoying all the pleasure of being close to Hashem. But if you come here and you struggle and you work hard, you'll be able to create light that you have never created before. And it's so hard, but it's so worth it. So Yurida, this falling will allow you to climb so much higher. And the last three lines over here on page four, and that is why we have a mitzvah and a commandment. Okay, mostly men. <laughs> we don't have the commandment. We do it because we love Hashem to have many, many children, to be fruitful, multiply. And here is a beautiful explanation of what we learned that Mashiach cannot come until all of the neshamas that are in this great treasure chest above come down here into this world. There's a whole bunch of neshamas that are waiting to be born. We need to birth all of them. We as in us, women, we need to birth all of them and bring them into the world so that Mashiach can come. Why? The whole idea of Mashiach is revealing the light of Saiveh, is revealing this transcendent light of Hashem that's not limited to the world that it's in. It's beyond limitations. That's the whole idea of Mashiach. When souls come down into bodies, then specifically, these neshamas work to reveal 
this light of Hashem that's here hiding inside the world, inside every little physical thing. And every little child that picks up an apple and says a bracha ha'etz on it and says, oh, Hashem, you made such a beautiful apple. And every one of us that sits and learns Hashem's Taira inside of this dark world, and every one of us that struggles to do the right thing, that struggles to wear stockings and to wear a shetel even in the heat of the summer, every time we walk outside and the struggle is real, and we're like, I am so not doing this another day. Like, these mitzvahs of Hashem are just so, so difficult, and it's so much harder and it makes traveling so much more difficult, packing up all the food and everything we have to do in order to keep kosher. And we do it. We untap, we unleash this beautiful light of Hashem that's hiding here in this world. And every little bit of our cyber that we reveal more and more and more and more and more brings us closer to Mashiach. So every little neshama, every little soul that we bring down here into this world gets the job done more and more and more. And that's why we need to bring down more neshamas. That's why we need to have more babies. We need to bring down more children into this world who will be able, so it's not just enough to have the kids, but to raise them in a way that they are revealing our sight of in this world, that they're doing what what we need to get done in order to reveal this light, in order to bring the Shia. So obviously, there, there's the whole struggle of, what if I'm not handling? Do I still bring more kids into this world? Obviously, every person has to discuss that with your personal mashpia. This is simply an inspiration for those times when maybe we could be handling, but we just know that this is going to be really, really hard. Like I said, last summer, that was my personal struggle. This is an inspiration to know that good things don't come easy. And that if we're able to bring another neshama into this world, we should, because that will really bring us closer to the time of Mashiach. Because every neshama has its part of the world that it will help reveal our Saivedin. My father has a beautiful meditation. It's called the vacation meditation about how every neshama from the time of the, it was conceived and first formed before it even came into this world. It was decided that there's a part of this world that's waiting for that little neshama to come into the world and change it and reveal Hashem in that part of the world. And the meditation ends off and you are there now. Meaning each one of us is a part of the world that we can change and we can impact. And every neshama has their part of the world to change and impact. So all of us have a personal mission to accomplish. And when we each do what we need to do in this world, Mashiach comes. So that is this powerful idea of why we need to bring more neshamas into the world. And at the bottom of page four, made a little exclamation mark because the Tzemach Tzedek adds in this little piece, so that we should know 
And this is not something that we personally struggle with, but we live with men in our lives and we should know what the idea is here so that we can be there for them. That's meaning wasting masculine seed is a serious, serious thing. Meaning it's an Isser and Tyra. So it's not allowed according to Tyra. But when you look at it, Apikabala, when you look at it from this viewpoint, from all this Hasidus that we just learned, it's even more serious because every neshama that we're able to bring into this world brings Mashiach closer. Every neshama that we're able to bring into this world is able to reach higher heights that it would have never been able to reach just sitting up there in Gan Eden. And we're going to waste the opportunity for an Ashama to come here into this world. You're going to waste that power and that energy. How dare you? That's really what the Tzemach Tzavik says. And even more than that, but not just that, you should just know that that wasted seed doesn't just go nowhere. It goes to the place of klippa and sitrachar, goes to the forces of unholiness that are here in this world. And there, there are different ideas in, in, in uh, Midrashim and in Kabbalah about how wasted seed, like the wasted seed of Adam all the time that he wasn't with Chava, goes towards negative souls that come here into this world. Um, these great, great giants that we call the Nephilim that, that ruled the world and were around in the time of Noah and, and that's why the world was such a terrible place could come from all from wasted seed of Adam, which is just fascinating to know that it's not just wasted positive energy it actually creates negative energy. So that's why wasting Zara is so, so serious. That's something that the Tzamaq Tzadik throws in. And now we get into a really beautiful, juicy idea. We asked first, why should we even invite an Ashama to come here into this world? We elaborated on that so much and we give beautiful answers. But now we have to understand, well, what's the connection between how an Ishama is invited into this world and what it accomplishes here into this world? What is the process through which we invite an Ishama to come here into this world? And if we can understand the beauty of that process where we as a father and mother invite an Ashama here into this world will appreciate so much the life that an Ashama lives here into this world and will appreciate so much the power of that moment of inviting an Ashama into this world. So we're on page Gimel Bays. Let's talk about some of the secrets between the unity that happens between a man and a woman. Let's get into the details here of what is happening 
in a spiritual sense in this union of male and female. This unity that's happening is not just a physical unity of the body of a man and the body of a woman. This unity happens up above in a spiritual sense with souls. Like a great example, Avram and Sarah were married for many, many years without children. And yet it says, the souls that they created. What souls were they creating if they didn't have any children all that time? They birthed the souls of all future converts. So the idea here is, is that even though Avram and Sarah were together without having physical children, their physical unity happened at the same time as their neshamas experienced a unity. The neshama of Avram connected with the neshama of Sarah, and that spiritual connection created spiritual neshamas that were not born into bodies, but were born. Souls were born. We learn that this applies to us as well. In other sources, not here in the Tzemach Tzedek, but every time a husband and a wife are together, souls are born. Nishamas are born, whether or not they actually come into a physical body. And that's why the intention the thoughts that we have at the moments of intimacy, at the moments of coming together are so important because they are being directed towards those nishamas that we are inviting to be formed, to be drawn down. So what we're talking about here is that even though this mitzvah seems like a very physical thing, really at its core, it's a ruchnias thing. It's a spiritual thing. Everything that happens in this world that seems to be so physical really has a source above that makes it a very, very spiritual thing, a very ruchnias thing. And that's why last time we said, what's the source of the animal? The, the nefesh abamis. What's the source of the nefesh alakis? Where do they come from above? Well, what is the source of the unity of a male nisham, of a, of a man and a woman, that up above, there is some kind of unity that's happening that represents masculine and feminine coming together. What unity is that that we're talking about? Well, first of all, by the way, P.S. Malachim, angels, don't have this kind of unity. They're not able to bond one neshama with another neshama, so they can't have children. And that's why there is a massive benefit, advantage of souls, neshamas, over angels, over malachim, who don't have this power of creation. To understand what this great power is of the of human neshamas that 
were able to actually birth other neshamas. I mean, just think about it for a second. It's a crazy thing that Hashem gives us the ability to create life. Angels can't do it. Why can we? So just this power that we have the ability to create life, to bring life into this world. Like, why do we even have this ability? We don't even think about it. We just do it. So what is the source? What is the root for the union of male and female that happens here in this world? And by the way, most things that happen here in this world are a union of there's always the masculine and the feminine parts to so much of life and so much of all relationships that we see here in this world. Between everything in creation, starting with the sun and the moon, there's always the masculine and the feminine in all of reality in this world. Where does that all originate from? From the fact that in the higher worlds, the source for everything here in this world beginning with Atsilas, there is this setup of spheres. There's this setup of 10 powers, 10 energies in every one of the worlds. And every created world has this setup of powers where you start with the father and the mother. And that is Chachma and Bina. And you move down to the children that are the, the Midas. And you have this interesting connection, this interesting union between the connection between Chachma and Bina and how they give birth to emotions. So that unity of uh, feminine and masculine above and then feminine and masculine below happening in these higher worlds that preempts this idea of us here in this world also having the feminine and masculine connection and relationship. Now, moving down a little bit, you see that there's this big bracket. So moving down all the way past the brackets, the gam, it's in the middle of the line, yesh beiz mine zivug, ha'echad nikra zivug neshikin, this is really cool. There are two types of unions that happen. One is the union of a kiss. The other is the union of bodies. In the union of a kiss, you have the connection of one breath with another breath. That is the connection of one mind to another mind, one Chabad to another Chabad. The Hashba of the Mashpia, the one who's giving, giving from their intellect, to the intellect of the Makabo. So in the relationship that we're talking about here, the man in the relationship 
ומשפיעה, giving to the woman a part of his seicha, a part of his chabad, transmitting it and giving it over. That's what he's sharing in a kiss. When a kiss happens, malachim are created. Angels are born. Okay, so just a physical kiss creates malachim. And we said before, the malachim are not able to have their own kids. So every mitzvah that we do, every amen that we say, every kiss that we share actually creates malachim. What kind of malachim are we creating? Interesting thing to think about. What are the emotions that are going into that moment? And the other kind of union is the body union that happens. And that union, when two bodies come together, that births nishamais, that births actual souls. And that union is the connection of yisait with yisait. So at the bottom of the 10 spirits, the 10 powers that create everything in our world, you have Netzach Haid Yisait, and then Machos, which transmits to the next. <clears throat> um, so the connection, the sharing of the Mashpia's Yisait with giving to the Yisait of the, of the Makabel, that is what actually births Nishama's souls into this world. What does all this mean? So I see someone's asking here, are we actually creating malachim or is it Hashem creating malachim? It's both. You have a yichah that's happening above and through those that yichah that's happening above, you're birthing malachim. Then you have the yichah that we have here in this world. And our yichah also births malachim. And no one should ever think, oh, it's, just a kiss or oh it's just us coming together we're not planning on having any kids right now um so it's not such a big deal doesn't need to be so holy not true because every time a husband and a wife come together there are souls that are being formed that are being created what kind of souls are we creating every single time we come together it's a very, very powerful moment. And it's almost like a thought, uh, the, we're able to be completely thoughtless about inviting these souls into this world. And yet, if we learn to this, we're like, wow, this is such a powerful moment, it can't just slip by. We have to tap into the deep power and the deep energy that we have here and fill those moments. That's why it's so important. And there's so much in Tyra about the couple um, you know, feeling love towards each other, that there shouldn't be any anger, that there shouldn't be any thoughts about anybody else. We shouldn't be thinking about other people. When I learn with our college alumni about mikvah and taras and mishpacha, so I'll tell them, I know that there are a lot of movies out there and there's a lot to watch and there's a lot to see, but just do yourselves a favor. For sure, if you're considering conceiving a child, don't watch movies or don't look at things, don't think about things that contain images of men and women together or any inappropriate scenes because you're going to be thinking about that 
when you're together with your spouse. That's the way that you want to invite an neshama to come into this world, thinking about someone else. So it's so, so crucial and so important to just be thinking about the other person because all the thoughts that we're having are literally inviting neshamas to come here into this world. And how are we inviting those neshamas to come into this world? It's such a crucial way. So we can't get into the depth of this whole thing, but just to explain a little bit about the power that's happening here. So the connection that happens with a kiss is very external. It's a breath with another breath. Sure, it comes from the mind, it comes from Chabad, but at the same time, it's, it's an external expression of what the person's thinking. So if you think about a teacher teaching a student, the teacher will explain an idea to the student and say, look, this is something that I'm learning, this is something that I'm thinking about, here, let me explain it to you. What does the student have at that moment? They have an idea. They have an idea that the teacher was thinking about and now shared with them. Do they have the teacher? Is the teacher now in their mind? No. You have an idea that the teacher shared. Maybe you understood it. Maybe you didn't understand it. But you don't actually hold on to the teacher because they shared this idea with you. So it could be a very deep idea. It could be coming from the deepest part of you. It could be coming from the Chabad of the teacher, which is a very high level. But you don't actually hold on to the teacher themselves. You hold on to an external idea that they shared and expressed with you. That's a kiss. It could be very high, it could be very passionate, it could be filled with a lot, it could be coming from this level of Chabad, a high level, but at the same time, it's external. It's not, you don't have the other person when you have a kiss. You have an expression of them, you have a breath that's being shared with you. The union of body to body, what is shared in a union of body to body? Well, the masculine, the male, shares this tiny little drop, this very physical seed. <laughs> What's this physical stuff? I thought this is supposed to be a really spiritual, deep union that's coming from higher worlds and we're expressing it here in this world. What's this physical stuff that he's sharing with her? So the thing is, is that in order to share something super, super deep and super, super high, you got to repackage it because the man wants to share all of himself, the depths of, of his mind, his spiritual DNA, his physical DNA as well, but his spiritual DNA and everything that's happening in the mind of the Zachar, in the mind of the father. He wants to give it over to her. How is he going to share that? How is he going to repackage that? He can't share all of himself. We're physically limited. We're not able to do that. So we have to repackage it into this very physical, small stuff. And through that, there's this deep, deep, deep revelation that's waiting to happen if you unpackage this material. 
So coming from a very, very, very high source, it's able to be packaged up in a totally different way to be able to be shared. The example for that is when a really, really, really good teacher wants to share the depths of who they are. They don't want to just share, here's a piece of information, take it or leave it. They want to share something really, really deep with a student. They use a muscle. They'll repackage it. They'll use a hand motion, something very, very physical. They'll point to something. They'll bring in a prop. They'll show you something. That's not what they're trying to tell you. They bring in a spatula to explain a really deep idea. They're not trying to teach you about a spatula. They're trying to teach you about a really, really deep concept. But it has to be expressed in something very physical because otherwise you won't get it. You're not there. You're not at that level. So the man is trying to take this really deep stuff, this really deep idea, and repackage it and share it with a woman. It has to be totally repackaged into Zara and into this tiny little seed. And through that, she takes it. She unpacks it. She takes the spiritual DNA, the physical DNA as well, and creates an entire child out of this packaging. And what do you see? The child looks like the father. The child has behaviors like the father. The, fa the child has a mind similar to the father and the mother too. How is that possible through such a tiny little seed? Because it was repackaged in such a way that the depths, the deepest part of this mashpia were able to be shared and to be transmitted. And that's why the union that's happening here is side with Yisait. Because at the bottom of the series, at the bottom of these 10 powers of creation, the most important for a teacher, for a mashpia, to be able to share something properly is that you know how to repackage ideas in a way that the other person will be able to receive them. So what is a good mashpia? A good mashpia is someone who looks at the other person and says, what can they handle? What kind of packaging do they need? How do they need this experience to play out? A good mashpia comes into intimacy saying, I'm not just jumping into this. I'm looking at her. I'm thinking, what does she need at the moment? What does she need me to tell her right now? How does she need me to relate to her right now? How does she need me to connect to her right now? In what way can I share what I have with her in a way that she will want to receive that? That, that Samach Tzadik says, is a real mashpia. You need to have your sight. Because you can have amazing, great teachers sitting there lecturing about these great, brilliant ideas like we have at our university, Georgia Tech, which is, they say, primarily a research university. And these great intellectuals sitting there lecturing and the students are like, we got no clue what you're talking about. You could be brilliant, but you just don't know how to share your brilliance. Our Mashpia could have so much to give but not know how to repackage it. So a good mashpia has your sight. Netzachai, 
are the tools for repackaging and you cite is the repackage. What about a macabre? It's not just enough that a mashpia knows how to give. A macabre, the one who's receiving, has to know how to receive. And I always give the analogy of Wi-Fi and a phone. Like, what's greater, my phone or the Wi-Fi that's out there? Well, my phone can't do anything without Wi-Fi, and the Wi-Fi can't do anything unless it's connected to a phone. They both need each other. Wi-Fi is super, super, super powerful. It wants to give. I have so much to give. I have so much to give. Okay. So find the phone that wants to connect to you. What about the phone? You need to turn on your Wi-Fi signal. If you're on airplane mode, you're not going to receive any Wi-Fi. A Macabell has to be that phone that wants to receive the Wi-Fi. She has to have the elements of your sight as well in that she knows how to invite one who wants to give. You know, sometimes Amashpir really wants to give. My Mikhail was like, eh, I'm good. It's okay. I can handle everything myself. I'm like totally capable. See this in people who get married much later in life that they're like totally independent. I don't need anybody else. I can totally take care of myself. You are superfluous in my life. That's not really a great macabre because then nobody wants to give you anything. You have everything that you need already. How am I going to take care of you? How am I going to give to you? So macabre needs to know how to receive and then process. And then take that little seed and change it into a whole human being. That is the great power of a phone that it can take Wi-Fi and turn it into... Instacart and Amazon and WhatsApp and everything that we have on our phones. And that is the great power of a woman that she is able to take this energy and totally unpackage it, see the depth of what's there and create a whole human being true to its source, to what it came from. Together with all of her personal powers and energies as well. So the source of the connection of a man and a woman comes from the unity that happens in the 10 spheres above. The unity that happens between Chachma and Bina and the unity that happens between Chachma and Bina giving to the Midas and helping create them. Just like in our lives, when we think about something, then we're able to create an emotion that's giving birth to something. That's the mashallah of the Tanya always, is that we're able with our mind to birth emotions. It's the same kind of unity as well. So to end off with one more deep idea, the source for all of this I'm going to turn all the way to the end of the Mimer on page eight. This is the root of this mitzvah, that the unity of a husband and a wife should happen, of a man and a woman should happen on a Friday night, on Shabbos. That the pleasure... Um, of a Talmud Chacham 
someone who's immersed in Torah learning, you know, a holy person should make sure that Friday night is the night for this unity of husband and wife to come together. Why? Because then it's a much higher unity. Alluding to the unity that happened between Yaakov, Yisrael, and Rachel, that unity was a reflection of Ein Saif, of the great light of Hashem, wanting to shine and be revealed here in, these, in this world. So the Midas, which are called Za, the last of the 10, last of the 10 powers, that are, which are the end of all the worlds, Venukva, uniting with Malchus, which is the one that actually gives life from all of the 10 spheres. Himakar Hanavraim, that is the source of everything that is created in this world. When you have a unity of the 10 spheres, when you have a unity of Zan Malchus, then you are actually able to create worlds. You are actually able to create beings, all kinds of beings. And that unity re reveals this infinite power within creations to be able to create. And, and that is the secret of why in the Kaidash Kadashim, in the Beis Amigdash, on top of the Arana Kaidash, what was the image that was there that could be seen? You saw two angelic looking creatures carved out of gold, beautiful creatures, one looking like a male and one looking like a female. And when Hashem was happy with the Jewish people, with B'nai Yisrael, they were embracing, they were wrapped up in a hug. Because that is the whole idea, that Hashem is represented in the masculine and we, the Jewish people, are the feminine. And our unity is like the unity of feminine and masculine coming together. The beauty of Hashem giving us the ability here in our world to get married, to be a husband and a wife, to come together as a man and a woman, the beauty of that is that we then get to relate to Hashem. Wow. Just like I'm so passionate about my spouse, just like I have so much passion in my marriage, in my relationship, just like my husband loves me so much, Hashem loves the Jewish people infinitely more. We're basically able to understand the relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people because Hashem gives us the gift of marriage, of being able to be married. And that's why there was this image of a man and a woman on the Aran Kaidesh. In the Kaidesh Kaidesh, the holiest of places, you have an image of a man and a woman embracing, what is this? That is Yiddishkeit. That is real beauty. And by the way, when I speak to my children, to explain to them how beautiful older children who ask questions, the beauty of intimacy before they find out about it from their friends and from other places, 
always tell them about the Kruvim. I always tell them about how it was an image of a man and a woman and wrapped together in an embrace, a boy and a girl, Zachar and Akeva, because that's how Hashem relates to the Jewish people. And it's a beautiful, beautiful, holy thing when a husband and a wife come together and share their passion and their love for each other because it reflects the love that Hashem has for the Jewish people. The us, and when we come together in that union, in that embrace, in that physical body connection, if it's on a Friday night, at a time when Malchus is shining, Right? Because Shabbos is the seventh day of the week. Shabbos is the day for Malchus. Shabbos is the time for the feminine to shine. So Shabbos is the feminine day. So if a mashpia, if a man, if a zachar really wants to bring down the most beautiful neshamais, he will connect with his nekeva, he'll connect with his wife, the feminine part of himself, on the day when the feminine shines, when Malchus shines, when the ability to connect the masculine and the feminine is very, very prominent because Shabbos is all about connection and about giving life to the rest of the week and about giving life to this world. That is the most special time for connection. And at that time, the most beautiful high souls in the Shammais are able to be drawn down into this world. So the best time to draw down a really, really beautiful Nishama into this world is on Friday night. Now, that doesn't mean to say that for the rest of us who are, you know, we're not, tell me the Chachamim, we need to wait for Friday night. It's a beautiful thing to have the union of a husband and a wife at all times when there's passion and it's the right time and it's a mitzvah and there's mitzvah and everything good involves, it's a beautiful thing for husband and wife to come together simply to give birth to neshamais because that body-to-body connection births souls and that kiss connection births malachim. And that is a beautiful power that the Abishar gave to us. Now, it's interesting that the Tzemach Tzadik ends up right after this, continu- continuing right along. Now, our Chamim did tell us that every mitzvah in this world needs intention. So what is the intention that we should be having at the time of this unity of a husband and wife, as Zachar and Akeba? Should we be thinking about the great connections of the higher worlds and how, you know, in the 10 spheres that are above, there's this unity between Zah and Machos and how Yusait and Yusait are being connected with each other. Is that the intention that we're supposed to be having? No. It's good to know all this because it inspires us because we know that there's a really high source for this unity that happens between us here in a physical world. But, Hainu l'chavim shekach tzivau bare elam. What is the actual intention of this mitzvah that we do? That this is what Hashem wants us to do. That Hashem is asking us to experience this unity here in this world. So we do this because Hashem wants us to do this. And there are so many reasons that we could think for every mitzvah in the world. 
No, I keep Shabbos because it brings my family together. I keep kosher because it uh, keeps me disciplined. Like, there's so many reasons we could give for every mitzvah that we're doing. And for sure, a bajillion reasons we could give for why it's beautiful for a husband and wife to come together and to connect. But the real reason is because this is the gift that Hashem gave to us. And this is what Hashem wants us to do. And when a husband and a wife come together and experience this body-to-body -body unity, and what they're really experiencing is a soul-to-soul -soul unity, neshama unity. That's what Hashem wants. That is the mitzvah. And you should just know that this is what Hashem wants you to do. Hashem is the source of all life. Hashem gave us this power to draw down life into this world. And Hashem is inviting you to be a part of that project. So if Hashem's inviting us to do this mitzvah, let's do it in the way that Hashem really, really wants us to do it. So to sum up this whole mimer, what is this mitzvah of bringing down neshamas into this world? And what's the beauty in how we do it? It's a mitzvah to invite neshamas to experience the beauty of struggle in this world so that they will have the ability to draw down our Asaibev and bring us closer to the time of Mashiach and experience struggle so that they'll be able to experience what's real and what's beautiful and what's true. And the way that we do this mitzvah is with an incredible unity that happens between Zachar and Akeva, which is merely a reflection of the unity of the spheres in the higher worlds. And a mashpia has to learn how to be a real mashpia, and a makabal has to learn how to be a real makabal. For that, there are so many other maimarim and other things to learn, to learn what it really means to be a mashpia and what it really means to be a makabal. This is just a drop in the bucket over here. But to learn what that really means. And through that unity, that body-to-body, -body, real deep connection, we have the power from the Abishter to invite beautiful neshamas to come here into this world because it's a gift that Hashem gave to us to draw down the most beautiful neshamas to accomplish the most beautiful things in this lowest of all worlds, which really, at the end of the day, holds the highest of all treasures. So l'chaim to all of us on our beautiful journeys as each of us does this mitzvah in the way that's most beautiful to us. And I think the most important thing to know is this is a personal mitzvah. It's not something to be shared with anyone else. It's not something to be compared with anyone else because each of us experience this mitzvah in our own beautiful way. And all of us are doing what Hashem wants in our own most beautiful, beautiful way, in our own beautiful Kaidish Kadashin, which is the personal room that we have in our homes for sharing this unity. L'chaim, thank you all of us, all of you for joining. Remember, to truly grasp the essence of this topic, we encourage you to follow the entire series. Stay tuned for the next episode where we will continue to learn about the topic of building a family. We hope you enjoyed today's recording. Please take a moment to leave a rating or a review to help others find the podcast. We welcome you to support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. For feedback, 
please email podcast at mikvah.org. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.